0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. All right, good to be together in church today. I wanna welcome all those online. Man, we are having a good time, are we not? All right, I wanna do this. I wanna begin by sharing some statements, mission statements of some companies that you may be familiar with. The first one is this. I think you may know this one, Chick-fil-A. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? Tried to go there this morning to grab a sandwich. I don't know why. Wasn't open. What's wrong with these people? Their, Their mission is to be America's best quick service restaurant at winning and keeping customers at $6 billion of revenue last year. I think they're accomplishing this. How about this mission statement? You may not know of this company, but you may have a product for them, WeatherTech. Anybody got those? They're in your car. Do you recognize or realize that that product is manufactured not just in the U.S., but right here in Illinois, right next to our Romeo location? That's where their headquarters is in Bolingbrook. And so what they're trying to do is strive to continually exceed our customers' expectations with the products that wear the WeatherTech band and also the culture as well. This one, you may not be familiar with it, but you have eaten some of it, possibly. Anybody? Farmland Foods. This is right next to our Monmouth location. So Monmouth, I mean, they're five minutes away right there. You can literally smell this thing coming in. It's to produce high-quality pork products families can trust and feel good about serving. I guarantee, if you've had pork lately, It's actually spent some time in Monmouth. So you've kind of been to Monmouth in some weird way. Okay. Now this next company, their mission statement, we're talking about mission statements and what mission statements do is they, they pull everybody together. So everybody knows what the objective is, whether you work for the company or you're served by them. And so they make a product like this, many other products, it's called Akron Brass. This is a nozzle that's actually from the uh, city of Chicago, the fire department. And so it's been used in fires and fire suppression equipment. And so this company, I used to work for them. And so I keep this in my office as a reminder of um, my time in the business world. And so they're there to strengthen their position as a global leader. That's their mission statement of innovative engineered life safety products and services backed by an uncompromising commitment to our associates, our customers, investors, community, and the environment. Man, that's a long one. Question, what's the mission statement of the church? Well, it's found in Matthew 28. Doesn't matter how any church says it, it's all the same. Can't ignore it. The mission is to make disciples. That's what the church is called to do. That's what Jesus says the mission for every church is the universal church. So we say it around here like this, we want to help people believe, belong, and become like Christ. That's the mission of this local church. But how do we fulfill it? Man, that's a good question. Thank you for asking that. (laughs) Open your Bibles to John chapter four because that's where we're going. That's what this series is all about. And let me begin with this statement. The mission of the church is the mission of each individual person in the church because the people are the church, therefore the church is the people. So we know this. Your mission and the church's mission ought to be the same because the mission of the church is what? Is derived out of the people of the church because we comprise the church because the church isn't a building. The church isn't a structure. The church is a people. And so we are the church. So whatever the church's mission is, is our mission because the church and the people are the same. Make sense? Whether you agree with it or not, that's the truth. We're two sides of the same coin. So really what I'm asking is how do we fulfill the mission of the church? I would suggest to you in this series, it's by living out the values of the church. And so I want to flash them up. These are the message titles of what we're going to be studying this the next four weeks. We're together on mission today today. We're gonna look at a woman who was one to worship from John chapter four. You're gonna see a transformation, life transformation right before your very eyes. Can can hardly wait, been waiting all summer for this text. This message is going through all of our locations because I want us to be one to worship. And I'm gonna give you five characteristics of a people, whether you're here or watching us online, of a people who are one to worship. So that we can be one to worship, so that we can fulfill the mission of the church because it's the mission of our lives. And so you can see where we're headed in the weeks ahead. Let me go ahead and read from John chapter 4. A lot of verses, great story. I hope you've been here before. It says in verse 7 there was a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy the food. Verse 9, for the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And look what the writer does. Helps us understand, for the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. We'll get into that. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you'd have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? So she knows a lot. He gave us the well and drank from himself and did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water here in this well, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Woman says, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. Jesus said to her, "Uh uh-oh, go call your husband. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, ah, you're right in saying you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're not with is not your husband. What you've said is true. And the woman said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers, they worshiped over here on this mountain, and you, you're Jew, so you say in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. And Jesus said, hey, woman, believe me, the hour's coming when it's not about this mountain or it's not about this place in Jerusalem, you'll worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. Most important part here, we're going to drill in in a little bit. And now is here with the true worshipers. Those who have been one to worship will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. Those who have been one to worship. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in, you tell me, spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus looked at her and said, I am he. First characteristic of a person who's been one to worship is this, if you're a note taker and you have notes because we finally gave them to you back, then go ahead and write this down. People who are one to worship look to Jesus. And so what we're doing is we're looking towards him, we're fixing our eyes on him. We know that now. She didn't know. And the reason she didn't know, this is so important in the text, there was some walls that had been built up around her that prevented her from looking to God Just like there's some walls that have prevented some people around us to look up to God. Oh, what about this and this evil and they do this? How can there be a God? What's happening here? I see three walls in the text. Maybe you'll see them with me. The first is the wall of sexism. Three times in this opening verse, it says she's a woman. Now, that's not wrong. I want to make that clear in our day that you say it's a woman but there was a distinguishing fact because the culture of the day was that a rabbi wouldn't talk to a stranger, a strange woman. Even the men, they wouldn't talk. Even if they were married, they wouldn't talk to a woman in public. That's the way it was. It couldn't have been like that. It's like that in Saudi Arabia. It's illegal for a man to talk to a woman, for a woman to talk to a man. It's not, it's illegal for them what? To travel without the consent of a male? It's to get a higher education without the consent of a male. Hey man, we're not as far as we think we are worldwide with women's rights. There's a wall that Jesus is breaking down. What's the next one? I think you can see it. It's the wall of racism and prejudice. And so three times it says she's a woman and then three times it says she's from Samaria. Oh boy, those people, half breeds don't like them. And then the writer, so that we have knowledge, and God's word is so good that it tells us, it makes, wait, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, why, because they hated them. They would go so far as not going through Samaria, they would travel all the way around it, instead of going a straight line, that's how much they hated them. I I mean, it was crazy, they wouldn't use a utensil, they wouldn't use a cup that a Samaritan used, a Jew would, or they would be declared unclean. So can you imagine now step into this thing and put your sandals on when Jesus says, hey, uh, can you give me a drink? She's like, what is happening right now? Like, I know who you are. Even the religious Jews, this is why the church gets no path. The religious people, the religious Jews of the day, the Pharisees, they prayed that the Samaritans would not receive eternal life and be resurrected in body. That, that's how deep it is. So Jesus is, is breaking down some walls. Anybody see him? He's like, I'm, I'm not letting this stuff get in the way. Third wall. This one is less um, familiar. It's the wall of anonymity and secrecy. I get this from verse six. We didn't read it, but it says it was the sixth hour. Now I know there's some debate about this, but I believe as many would say with me that it was noon. Getting water was a woman's work. Sorry. That's the way it was in that culture. Sexism at its best. And so what the deal was, is the other ladies would go in the morning and they would go at night, why? Think with me, yesterday, really hot, 85 degrees, because it was too hot to carry this water. And so she went at noon, why? I don't think it's too far of a jump to say to avoid some people and to avoid the women chattering around at the water cooler or the well So what did Jesus do? I want to show you what Jesus did. Get ready for some fun in church. Jesus did this. (laughs) I wish we had like some loud cracking noises and he he broke down the wall. He broke down the walls of racism. He broke the walls, the walls of sexism. He broke broke down the walls of secrecy. That's what he wants us to do. We're his church. He didn't treat her any different because of her ethnicity or her religious background or the color of her skin. I mean, Jesus came to unite, not divide. Jesus built bridges and broke down walls. If you're a Christian, we're called to do the same. Second characteristic, good stuff so far yep. is this, that if you've wanted to worship, then you got to do this. You got to listen to Jesus. And so I can't emphasize this enough. Without those walls coming down, she she wouldn't have listened. And, and so that's we got to break down walls so that we can hear each other and listen to each other and learn from each other. So then Jesus drops on her, man. He's like, hey, I, I got I got something better than this with the high point logo on. I got living water. Man, I, that's what he says. And so what is this living water? He talks about it twice in the gospels, only here in John chapter four and John chapter seven. Now I'm not saying he doesn't talk about living water and what it means any place else, cause it's all over, but he only calls it this in these two places. So let's study what he's talking about when he means living water. First thing is this, that the living water is a gift. That's what he said. It's a gift of God. And so this gift, I would say this, what is the living water? The gift, it's the gospel. It's salvation. It's the word of God. It's the spirit of God. It's the revelation of God that will transform your soul so that you will be one to worship him. Hey, we all worship something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's position. Maybe it's your passion. But... but. We've been made to worship God. That's why we want to fulfill the mission of the church. So the living water is the gospel, and it's available. What's the next truth that we see is it's often misunderstood. He's not talking about this, although this is good. Man, I needed that. He's not talking about that. And so this woman, she misunderstood it. She thought it was just water from a well. Now, this wasn't just any well. This is a very special well. You could actually go there today and you can, um, I was about to say you can drink from it, but there's, there's, you can go, there's a church built around it. So anybody who's saying, ah, oh, the Bible, and is it true and all this, hey, there's archeological evidence. I mean, archeologists have said it validate the history, the history of the Bible. It's crazy. And you can go. Jody and I have stood right there. There's these ropes around it. It's built inside of a church and, And if you happen to sneak past the rope and if you happen to go down and if you lower the pail and you get the water and you try it, it's not that good. I tried it. It's not. But it's not living water. And so it is misunderstood and there's many people that misunderstand it today. And then the third thing, we're just learning about the living water from the scriptures. That's what, if you're new to the church, that's what we're about. Let's study the Bible, we'll give you the Bible, and we want you to see. And the next thing is it's soul satisfying, it's life giving. Because you'll never be thirsty again, spiritually speaking. It's not about the physical, it's about satisfying the soul, it's about satisfying the eternal. That, that's what living water does. It satisfies the eternal. I remember when Jody and I, this is kind of funny. So the first time we went to um, Northern California and we we're about a year into our marriage and we were, um, it, it was great because, or no, we had just gotten married. And, and what was cool about it was we went to Napa Valley and, you know, we're, we're doing all this stuff and we're checking stuff out and we love to go bike riding. So we went for a bike ride, a long bike ride, hills, no places to get water. We, we didn't plan. I mean, I, I, my generation, my parents, my, our generation, my, our parents failed us, if you're in my generation. They didn't teach us the significance of hydration. Are you hearing me? We, don't, we didn't have the water bottles and the thing going around your thing and you suck on it when you need it. And, and like, we, I didn't, have, everybody's got the gallon water jug they're carrying around work. I'm like, what the heck is going on around here? Like, like we did not, my parents failed me that they didn't teach me about the water. But dang it, I ain't failing you, I'm teaching you about the living water, are you hearing me? And and so this is the thing, what's funny about this is, so we see, we're we're going for miles and we see this this gas station and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And and I look up and I, I literally thought it was a mirage. I was that thirsty. Go in, cooler, first thing, didn't care what it was. It could have been anything. Bust the cap, chug half of it, give the other half to Jody. I used to be really cheap. And, and so we're like, oh. And then I looked at the bottle, and I looked at the cap, because I was holding it, and it said on the top of it, I'd never heard it before, it was, if you heard it, Snapple. Ever heard of Snapple? It was actually red raspberry, it was very tasty. And, but what's funny about it was, it had just come out, it, 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 like it was brand new. I wish I would have bought the stock in it back then, that would have been good. And, and then I turned the cap over, I don't know if they still do this, but it said, the best stuff on earth. It, and I'm like, whoa, that is the best stuff on earth. <laughs> Give me another. And, it wasn't until a year later, so I want to get the timing right, that I tasted the best stuff on earth because I, I got the living water and the living water, it, it gave me forgiveness and it gave me a second chance and it removed my guilt and shame. And, and I didn't know about the living water on that trip. And so it's soul-satisfying and life-giving because I've experienced it myself like many of you. And then lastly, it's, it's available to all. This is the John 7 passage. So this is when you, you, you're looking in the Bible. Where does Jesus say, hey, everybody, come on, let's go. Come on, join this up and, 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 and let's, 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 let's believe. That's how you get it. He says, how do you get this? Well, Jesus cried out on on the mountaintop, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of the heart will flow this river of living water. So so that's what we're talking about. If you've been one to worship, then you look to Jesus and you listen to Jesus. And and the third thing is, you see what's coming next. This is gonna be the tough one. You, You gotta level with him. And so... I mean, that's what happens next. And so she said, he says, hey, uh, go get your husband. She, I have no husband. And they said, well, that's because you've had five husbands and you're shacking up with number six right now. And, and then she said, we'll put it on the screen. I love this. Sir, very respectful. I perceive you to be a prophet. You think? He just told you everything about your past. He just told you what you did today. And then she does what all of us do. Say, I do it. it. No buy-in there. Say, I do it. it. She tries to change the subject. So this is getting spiritual and religious now, so we're in church. So, well, we worship over in this mountain, and you worship over here, and we'll get to that in a moment. She was looking for love, as the song says, in all the wrong places. We all do, her love with, with the relationship. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to figure out she had trouble with relationships. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to figure out that we all have trouble with something. Many of us, it is relationship. Whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, whether it's family, whatever it is, and, and there was something different about this man. I, I, this is where you just, she looked into his eyes. She heard the sound of his voice. Interestingly, if you count it up, did this, six times Jesus spoke to her, seven times. She spoke six times to him. Did you catch that? She she said six things, he said seven. They they had a conversation. There was something different. This was the person she had been longing to meet. And so as I read this, I, I think to myself, This, what's happening in this passage of scripture is that Jesus, he didn't just confront her, he connected with her. He didn't just lecture her, he listened to her. And so those of us who've been wanting to worship, can, can, can we stop lecturing and start listening? Can, can we start conf- stop confronting? And start connecting there's so much to learn in this passage and I wish we had more time I remember my daughter this is funny so I'm looking around she's not here so let's talk about her um so so um so dang turn off the online stuff right now um so 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 anyway so she so she um won't say which one that'll help so so then um so then everybody asks when they see her is it is it you and, we play these games in church, and they're like, no, it's not me. How do you think it's that me? It's, it's her. And, and so so she gets her license, and I don't know if they still have this law, but they, they probably should, and they probably do. She gets her driver's license, and they have this thing where you couldn't drive anybody else but your family in the car. Do they still have that? So it's like for till you're 18. So that law is pointed out. You can tell where this story is going for my oldest daughter. Oops. And, and so so then... She's out driving, and you know, the peer pressure wasn't her fault. I mean, it was her fault, was blame shift. And, and, and so other people in the car, and then one of you people see her and tell me. And that's what's beautiful about being a pastor right there. The built-in accountability system. She has no idea who she doesn't know and who knows her. and all. So she comes home, and I'm ready for her. And I said, how was it? And who was with you? And who was in the car? And it went downhill really quick. There was no woman at the well situation here. (laughs) And then she goes, dad, how did you know? Quite angrily. And I said, which fathers you'll appreciate that? Fathers know everything. (laughs) And I left it at that until today. (laughs) But we just know why is it that we have trouble confessing and being honest with our heavenly father when he knows anyways guys he just knows it doesn't matter who told him it doesn't matter how he found out it doesn't he knows everything about you and he's the one that can connect with you he loves you more than anyone else you didn't surprise him so let's be the first to talk to him that that's what this woman is experiencing and so the next thing is this that that what? That people are one to worship, they learn from Jesus. And so she was in a position, after the walls have been broken down, after we helped break people's walls down, that she was listened to, she was ready to learn. And so this is the meat of the passage. We're going to turn it, and I want to talk to you about worship, because we've, I've taught on this before many times when the church started. I can remember this. This is like a big deal about our church. It's, it's worship. And, and, and so look what Jesus says to her. He says... Woman, believe me, the hours come when either it's not about this mountain or that place. So the Samaritans were I said this is the only place to worship. Jews said, no, the temple's over here, so this is the place. So they're arguing, great debate about where. And 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 guess what? Jesus, is like, it's not about the place. It's not where you worship, it's who you worship and how you worship that matters most. For the note takers, that's the sentence. It's not where you worship. Because what? It's the church isn't. Special. It's not a building. It's the people. It's, it's not where you worship. It's who you worship. And then now he's going to get into the how that we worship. And this, is where, this has got to be life transformation for our whole church. We want to upgrade, turn the dial on worship at High Point Church. So, so what does he say? He says, well, the true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And, and so true worshipers means what? doesn't have to be too smart to figure this out, that there's some what? There's false worshipers. Boy, that's interesting. Right in God's word, there's false worshipers. There's untrue worshipers. There's, and and God's seeking people who worship him in spirit and truth. So what's God doing? I imagine God doing this, and yes, churches matter, that he's ripping the wall, the roof off of every church right now in America and in the world. And he's got one question. Who, Who are my true worshipers? Is there any over there? That high point, Jared? Is there some over here? Like he's looking for them, that's what it says. He's looking, he's seeking after. Well, I don't know about you, but I wanna be a true worshiper, anybody with me? So, so how do we be true worshipers? Well, he tells us right in the text that we're to worship in spirit and truth. And so spirit is a small S, that's very important. It's not the Holy Spirit, we're the genuine Christians. I'm not saying that's not important, Because he's looking for people who have living water but what he's doing is it's it's the whole of who you are that's the whole point of this thing it's like that's what he said god is spirit it's not about the person and your body it's about your spirit and your soul and that you worship him with all your emotions and all your feelings and everything that's going on and then truth we know what that is if you're holding the bible it's like that's the truth of god's word and and so that's important in our worship that that we worship what is true And so those are the worshipers that God is looking for. And so the the problem is that, that the Samaritans, the reason he said, you don't know what you worship, it lacked knowledge. So catch this for a moment, that the Samaritan worship, they only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. So they were one extreme. And their worship was heartfelt, but it lacked some head knowledge about who God was. And then the Jews, if I could paint the picture and say it was another extreme, that theirs had all the head knowledge you want. It had a lot of knowledge, truth, but it didn't have any heart. And so Jesus is like, I want you to worship in spirit and truth. And so we want to seek to be worshipers that aren't on either extreme, And we want to worship in spirit with all of who we are and in truth with what God's word says. Make sense? That's what we're going for. So so how can we do better at this next week, even today? Well, how about four words? First one is priority. Let's make worship a priority as we gather together in this new age. I was talking to somebody and they're like, um, they're like, oh yeah, you know what? Uh, They were new to our church and they're like, they're like, yeah, I wish you guys met every week. I'm like, what do you mean? They go, Well, you just meet on the odd months or the odd weeks, don't you? I'm like, no, we actually do this every week. We're here every single week. And they're, oh really? I didn't know. Now, obviously I'm joking. But the average church attender comes 1.63 times, pre-COVID statistic, a month. And so, I mean, we're here every week. Make it a priority if you are in town. I know and I love you who are at home, but you better be out of town or you better be sick. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, we gotta get back to what? To being together in our worship. It's, it's great, it's convenient. But but man, we, we gotta, like, there's something about being here and, and sensing his spirit, and that, that's so make it a priority. And, and the next preparation, you know, and on the way over here, you may have a little thing with the wife, and it didn't get, you know, eh, kids in the backseat. Eh, I know how hard it is to get to church, we'll just watch online. Maybe. You had a difficulty this past week at work. Second word is prepare. Hey, let's do this before you get out of your car. If you're a, a, a parent, man, your kids know what just went down. Just before you get on the car, you got to confess. You know, let's just pray right now. Let's get our hearts right. Before you even walk out of that thing, like that's the worst thing we can do our family is have this dual thing going on where we act like everything is okay when it's not. Or maybe you get here before the service starts and, and you prepare your heart by Confessing some things and asking God, and and maybe even asking Him to help you engage with Him. And then Pastor Craig, you know, this is what happens a lot. And Amy's here, and they can both identify with this because they're sitting in the front row, and it's you know, first song, second song, and, and then all of a sudden, this weird thing happens, and they start like literally their feet start shaking, and it's because the ground is rumbling. And they're like, what is going on? And then they hear this thing happening in the lobby. And then it's like a stampede of buffalo come in at the second or third song. <laughs> and, and it's just like, whoa, like, whoa, nobody was here, now they're here. Like, let's make it a priority, <laughs> good stuff today. <laughs> and, and let's be prepared. Man, you're throwing away two opportunities, some good songs that, that, that our team wants to lead you in worship. And, and so next is participation. And so we want you to participate. Where Our culture is participation. We want you to sing. You say, I'm not a singer. You say, well, I'll say God gave you that voice. He wants to hear it. Despite anyone next to you, they don't want to hear it. But he does want you to hear it. And, and we want to, you know, there's times we open up the front and we're getting back to things. And, and we try to do this. We try to open up the front. We're doing what? We're we're praying and like, we want you to participate, raising hands and, and, you know, like, sometimes the worship leader will ask you to put your hands like this, you, you verbalize, you know, you're kind of, like you're receiving from God. I mean, these are all things that we can do because we don't want to be all about emotions or we don't want to be all about truth where it's just in our head. We want that balance. And so we want you to connect in spirit and truth with God and who he is and what his word teaches. So... We want, you to, we want you to participate. I remember when I invited one of my friends, I played basketball with him to church, and he would sit in the front row with me, which was, which was kind of fun. And it, like I remember like he, he'd look at me, he's like, why is everybody raising their hands, man? like, what's going on here? This is a little weird, if I've got to be honest. And after the service, I told him, I said, well, it's not that, you know, I mean, I know it is kind of weird, but just acknowledge the weirdness sometimes. And, and I said, but what you don't understand is, you've never been to a church like, like, people are connecting with God. And so they're not saying they're better than you. They're not saying that they got it all together, because that's what people think. They're, over, they're the super spiritual ones raise their hand. And, and I'm just like, no, they're just saying, I don't have it all together. And I acknowledge who God is. And I want him, I want him, to, I want him to move in my life, man. So and so that's what the worship in, in your heart. And, and so then he just turned to me and he said, I'm never doing that. Six months later. I mean, there's just something about engaging. And so we want to worship God in spirit and truth. Last characteristic. I love this one, and I'm going to invite the worship team up. People who are one to worship long for Jesus. So we got some extended worship we're gonna do here. We got I got up a little early because we're gonna do, you know, we're gonna just get into it. They're, they're gonna lead us. And so so she's longing for Jesus. A transformation happened. How, how do I know? Well, if you read on, it says that that she did this. She she actually acknowledges, let's look first, that that this is, you, this is the Messiah. She knew about the Messiah. That means the Christ, the long-anticipated deliverer of Israel, the anointed one. And Jesus is like, I'm, that's me. And I know she was one to worship. I'll give you two reasons in the text. The first is because she went, it says, and told the rest of her town about Jesus. So she evangelized her whole town. (laughs) And that's a fruit of it, that's one of our values, which we'll get to in this series that we've been found to find. So she's advancing the mission of the church. That's why each week we're gonna look at example of a person in the scriptures who modeled the values, so that we can, we can be together on mission. And then the second thing, this is the best part. It just, it just says this. It said, she left your water jar. And sometimes we, we, we don't get the significance of the little details and, and we're like, oh, what, what's the big deal with that? Well, the big deal with that is that she didn't forget it. What she left with was more important than what she came for. Are you hearing me? What she left with, being one to worship, and who Jesus is, and what he's about, and how he could change your life, that was more important than this water, this physical. This. She left with the living water. So my challenge is the worship team leads us now. What do you need to leave behind for this living water? What is it? And I, let, let's stand. Let's just stand to our feet if you're able. What, what is it that, that, that I don't need anymore because I got him? And, and so maybe it's, it's leaving behind a jar of, of guilt and shame for some decisions and some things, do that now, man. We got a few songs. We left time till the end that you could connect with God. Maybe it's some embarrassment. Maybe the truth is, you know what? You're holding on to some bitterness Some people have done some things and you're right. They did wrong you. And if you told me the story, I would agree. But but I gotta just let go of the bitterness because it's just hurting me. Maybe, and please watching online, you can engage in worship too at this moment. Maybe, maybe it's, it's unbelief. Because I believe that's what she left, unbelief. She recognized who Jesus was and she embraced the forgiveness that he was about to bring. I, I don't know what it is that you need to leave behind. But just like she didn't have to carry that burden anymore, Neither do we. Now I know when you put something down, maybe it's a, a trial or a challenge, and physically or even spiritually, that I, I know that probably when you get out of here, you're going to have it back in your hand at some point. But I got to tell you, being together and worshiping him, it's going to feel a lot lighter. Anybody with me? It's going to feel lighter. And so, God, I pray for your spirit to move. We acknowledge you as king of king and Lord of lords. And I know that you're the God who can take away the guilt and shame, just like you did for this woman. And Lord, would we drink at the well, taste and see that the Lord is good. Would we drink from the well in this moment of living water? May it satisfy our souls. May we engage with you in spirit and truth. That's our prayer.